Welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Here are your hosts, Mark Ellison, Shannon Donato and Jeremy Monaghan. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. It's powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If. What If has you covered for accommodation, flights, car hire and more. So if you're looking for a holiday, travelling for business or you need to get to a game, visit whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. What If, it's Aussie for travel. My name's Jeremy Monaghan. I'm the media manager here at the Rabbitohs. I'd like to welcome my co-host Mark Ellison and Shannon Donato. How are you, gentlemen? Oh, very well, Jez. How are you, mate? We're going... Episode, 20, episode 27. 27. Nearly as many penalties as Atkins gave against us the other night against... <laughs> Thwack! This is the first oh, time. Well, well, I might have gone off a bit early on something I've learnt this week, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, actually, I should have put that down in what I'd learnt this week too. But anyway, how are you, Shannon? I'm well, Jez, and yeah... Um... Bello certainly did go off nice and early there, didn't he? Uh, Raylene was telling me he makes a habit of doing that. So. Oh, God. It's too early. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Gab doesn't know, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Righto. What have we learnt this week? I'm going to you, Ella. You're fired up. Oh, no. I, I, I just learnt that, um, you know, our performance the other night, was uh, a dress rehearsal for the games coming up to us. And, uh, you know, the first 30 minutes of uh, the first half and even 10 minutes into the second half, I thought we were right on song. Um, To come as close as we did to the Panthers, considering the 11-2 penalty count, and there's no need for me to tell you about the dubious decisions that occurred in the game. Um, You know, where the... We're the least penalised team in the competition. The stats tell us over the first 23 rounds or whatever it is. Mm. And yet, yeah, we're on an average of 3.7 penalties a game against us. We come out in a game like this and we have 11 penalties against us. The highest of, of all season against us. So I don't know what happened there. And Penrith get two penalties against them. So obviously there are... Uh, yeah, a lot cleaner than us at the moment in what they're doing. But, um, you know, I was really proud of the, the boys' effort on, on the weekend. Uh, we take a lot out of it. Um, you know, still a long way to go. And the new competition starts in a couple of weeks, and I know we'll be ready. I know we don't normally talk a lot of the, the current footy on, on this show. We leave that to the Rabbitohs radio guys. But I'd be interested in getting your opinions on this because my understanding of that downtown penalty was always... If the player is initially in front of the play the ball, they are out of play. Mark Nichols on the replays was behind the play the ball. He was, however, in front of Adam Reynolds, which means that when he uh, who kicked the ball, which means when he advances downfield, he can't come within ten meters of the player returning the ball. He has to wait for the player to return the ball back. He didn't get involved in that tackle. It was Cameron Murray involved in the tackle who was onside. He stripped the ball and then Mark Nichols jumped on the loose ball. I'm trying to work out where in that sequence a downtown penalty occurs. But there's one there's one there's one uh thing also in that Jez. The ball nearly went into touch mm. about fifteen meters away 
from where the incident occurred. Mm. And um, the, the winger stopped it with his, his foot and then passed the ball across to the fullback, mm. who then dropped the ball. Yeah. So Mark, Mark Nichols would have been 30 metres from the ball yeah. when they first touched it. Yeah. And the next thing is, Mark Nichols didn't make the tackle, mm. right? He wasn't involved in the tackle. The bloke stepped inside him, and then he dropped the football. Yeah. Like, okay. I've heard so many of the media pundits saying that either he was in front of the play the ball, which he clearly wasn't. He was about five metres behind the play the ball. Or number two, it's because he touched the ball in the end that he was offside. But as long as he stays back the 10 metres and they, he's onside. But, you, you, yeah, just I just need to finish that little bit, Jez. Sorry, Ella. All I'm saying is he gets inside Nico and he knocks the ball on. Mm-hmm. Then Mark Nichols picks it up then. Yeah. So Mark Nichols was not offside. No. Understand if they say it's an accidental offside, whatever, it should have been at worst a scrum awarded to us for a knock-on from Penn. Yes. At at the absolute worst. And that changed the momentum massively because it was a 50-metre field position turnaround plus possession of the football turnaround. And that changed the momentum that uh, momentum of that game. I was sitting there watching it live, and I'm thinking, what penalty have they blown here? And they start talking about a downtown penalty called by the bunker. And I'm like, why is the bunker involved in the first place? And secondly, mm. there's no way he was downtown because I'm looking where the play of the ball was, and he five metres was probably a bit much. He would have been three metres behind the play of the ball. There's vision that you can see now on social media where he's well behind Cookie at dummy half, Moving through as Cookie passes the ball back to Adam Reynolds, I just don't know. I always started second guessing myself, thinking, "Do I understand the rules of rugby league? Like, have I got something wrong here, or has it changed?" The the biggest question I think is, well, who's looking at that? At yeah. something like that to make a decision on it. Yeah, it's the same person that was looking for something like that that didn't look at the replay of their second last try. Well, Leoto runs behind the lead runner, correct, and he's an obstruction every time. Every time that that happens in a game, yep. The NRL came out and said that three or four weeks ago. Yep. Yet the same person who made the decision, looking at Mark Nichols be offside, yep. Then goes and doesn't um, analyze the try because how many times do we see? A try with an obstruction or that. Everyone thinks it's a try. A water by the referee, which is fair enough. A referee can't see that yeah. in the run of play. It's, yeah. it's pretty close. And I, I understand that. But that came from the bunker as well. Yeah. But the bunker was so stringent on finding Mark Nichols offside, but not as stringent on finding the yeah. obstruction in that try. I'm not sure and stringent another, is the word. I think wrong is the word because... Yeah, yeah. He wasn't in front of the play the ball. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you can see the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. The point that, that I want to make is that's probably a 12-point turnaround there, which probably doesn't give Cleary the opportunity for the field goal. Well, that's right. Which which score, gets us back score, in that game. The score was 14-12, I think, at that stage. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know couple of penny goals in front of the post. Mm. Best thing is, hello, we get another crack at them. Exactly. (laughs) It it was 
very strange. It was. Watching the game. It was. It certainly was. And, and you know, for that 10 minutes of fired-up logic that you just gave us, I guess the silver lining is that um, – it's very obvious that the footy department have moved on pretty quickly, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was the media department. I fired that one up. Ella was ready to let it go. <laughs> no, 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 no. Put it out of their mind. <laughs> <they're moving on. laughs> we, we, we've um, we've had um, quite some communication with the NRL. Yeah, good on, on all these matters, um, and we're in our rights to do it. Yep. we haven't come out publicly, and but we, we've had some. Uh, good conversation and good factual statistic sharing yep. with the NRL. Fantastic. And That's what we like to that. hear. That's what we like to hear. Sometimes common sense isn't that common. Yep. That's, That's it. Though. Shannon, what have you learnt this week? Well, in a similar vein, but I guess a bit slightly more positive, um, I've learnt that we can win the comp. In fact, where it did set Red Hot Chains to win this comp, we were... We were all over the Panthers uh, on Friday night. And, you know, as we've spoken about, there was a few momentum swings that saw us lose our ascendancy. But for the majority of that first half, we were clearly the better side. And we put in 80 minutes like that against the Panthers and, and we'll win and we'll win well. And the Storm aren't the side that they were. I don't think they're in the form that they were. And so I, I'm actually even more confident after Friday night's game that we are a red-hot chance of winning this game. You need a few things to go your way and you need a fair shake with penalties and all of those kind of things and injuries and all of that. But we're as good a chance as anybody in this comp and I'm, I'm really excited for the next, you know, four to six weeks. Yeah. I've got to agree with you, Shannon. Um, nothing that happened the other night has changed your opinion of where we're sitting at the moment. Um, and obviously you need a little bit of luck with injury, et cetera. But uh, yeah, we're in a good spot and I'm looking forward to the, the weeks ahead. Excellent. That's what we want to hear. Well, the, the thing I've learnt this week is I'm really looking forward to the Paralympics over the next couple of weeks. The The Olympics filled a, a big hole while we've all been down here in lockdown and gave us all some competition and some inspiration and patriotism um, during those two weeks of the Olympics. And we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. The Paralympics have started up today and uh, I've seen a little bit of the table tennis today. The wheelchair rugby's on this afternoon and it's great to have sport on the uh, the TV for most of the day, every day for a couple of weeks. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I, w- I was thinking back too with the, uh, the wheelchair rugby, we had Riley Batt, who was part of the Play for Jake uh, campaign that we had going on last year. Um, for young Jake, who was suffering from a rare form of cancer, who sadly is, has passed on now. But Riley's from up in Port Macquarie, and he joined a lot of our current staff and past players up there in helping raise funds um, for young Jake to get some groundbreaking treatment for his um, rare cancer that he had. And it was great to bring Riley into the Rabbitohs family there on that occasion, and I'm sure he'll know that all of the Rabbitohs are behind him and the Australians over there at the Paralympics. Well said, Jez, absolutely. You're right, mate. It's always good to watch the people that are, you know, that are more challenged than the, the normal bodied athletes and that it's, and they still have the same will to win and, you know, their struggles have been much harder than, um, than what everyone else has had to do. And, and, you know, you take your hat off to them for, for where they get to in their, in their careers and, and just in their lives in general. Mm. It's, it's, it's great to watch. It's great to watch. It's it's interesting watching the way people frame it too, as it as um, becoming 
disabled at some stage of their life if they weren't born with it, how some people can look at it as a negative and how it affects them badly, but other people look at it as an opportunity. Channel 7 that are broadcasting the Paralympics did a, a profile piece on one of the um, the wheelchair rugby players before. I, I can't remember his first name. Edmonton is his second name. And he was a young uh, rugby union player from Coogee. And he'd got a scholarship to, I believe it was Scots, to go and play uh, rugby at Scots. And when he was 13, he, he went out in some pretty rough surf at Coogee and broke his back um, and was told he'd never walk again. And for a 13-year-old kid that had a promising rugby career in front of him, that would have been devastating. And he was having one particularly bad day in hospital, he said, and he abused his mum and said to her, you don't know what I'm going through and all this sort of stuff. So his mum walked out and told all of his family and friends not to visit him for three days. So he said he was lying in his hospital bed for three days with no visitors, no family, no friends. And he was only with his own thoughts and realised, well, there's nothing I can change about this, so I've got to make the most of it. And when he came out and he was learning to use his wheelchair and all that, that sort of stuff, he met someone that was involved in wheelchair rugby and they said, oh, you were a rugby player, were you? And he said, yeah, 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 starting to feel down about himself again. And they said, why don't you come to our come and try wheelchair rugby day? And he went out there and he said, the first time I hit someone with my wheelchair, I just felt that same elation that I used to feel playing able-bodied rugby. And he said, since then I'm hooked and now he's representing Australia at the Paralympics. I just think framing it that way that it's an opportunity for you to do something with your life that wouldn't have been afforded to you previously it's it's a great mindset to have indeed it is mate indeed it is there are, you know we look to sports for inspiration all the time well there's nothing more inspirational than hearing stories like that and and watching the uh, Paralympics yeah I'm looking forward to it should be some good TV in between Rabbitohs games and replays of the 2014 grand final over the next couple of weeks <laughs> just uh, sorry Jess there's, there's just one more thing that uh, I've learnt this week that I'm, I'm no longer part of this podcast team with you two guys. I just feel, I just feel like I'm being left out. When am I going to get a some headsets and a microphone like you guys have got? I was just sure. thinking a, a headset might have got your hair under control today, Ella. I know, I know. It's, um, <laughs> Considering I've got none. My goodness. Bag my, bag my weight, but don't bag my hair, mate. <laughs> and I was looking at your hair. I thought I was watching an episode of something about Mary. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I hope it's not that. I'll give you the t- you, you won't be getting any head pains to go over your head after that. <laughs> oh, dear. I cracked the headphones. Oh, no. <laughs> Is it time for an ad yet, Jess? Oh, no, but just a shout out to Brock Schaefer. Up there yes. in uh, lockdown with Lo up there in uh, up there on the Gold Coast. I was supposed to get a haircut today, but I didn't get time, so I'll get one tomorrow. Very good. For next week, the game, so the game day haircut. Maybe you can send those headphones up to me, and I'll get a haircut, and I'll look normal again. It's they... Pretty tough up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell by the solarium chain you've got there. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to be outside on the beach or the golf course, but you've had to go to the solarium. Oh, very good. 
Righto. Let's get this back on track. <laughs> Let's go to our first top four topic of the podcast. And we've been going through the different positions. Our last one that we did was the number sevens. Now it's time to head into the forward pack and we're going to go to the top four Rabbitohs locks of all time. We'll start with you, Ella, as a former lock at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Where do you rank yourself? I'm, all, I'm allowed to put myself on top, Jess. You are. <laughs> it's like... It's like I do the players' players' votes every week. There's 17 votes. There's only ever been one time that someone's got 17 votes, and it wasn't me, and I won't tell you who it was. (laughs) (laughs) He wears number six. An upside-down number six, Shannon Donata. (laughs) 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 To be honest, I I wouldn't even think of voting for myself. (laughs) I got us. The greatest lock... Of South Sydney ever is Ron Coote. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I watched him as a kid growing up, and um, you know, you talk about the great cover defenders of the game, which was what their job was back then. But not only did he that, did he do that? He, you know, he's a great try scorer, great support player. We can make tries himself. Um, but all his defence was just a thing that he was always renowned for. And above above all that was just the person. He's always been off the field, the gentleman, um, you know, and the, you know, the hard work that he's been off the field. He's involved in McDonald's there for a long time. Obviously got involved with the men of Lee when he finished, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm probably a bit biased because Ron, Ron presented with, with my first NRL jumper with the old days when we used to have the, um, we used to have the, all the internationals that come back and we'd have like a sponsor's day and all the current team would get, um, given their jerseys by the internationals uh, of the era. And, you know, we had plenty of them then. But he stands out for me, Ron Coote, as, as one of the great blocks of our time. Hello. Um, you just spoke about his great defence and, you know, all the great things he did off the field, men of league, and he was successful in business with McDonald's and all that. But you're quoting earlier, you, you know, in preparation for the show, you did a fair bit of work and had some good stats on Ron's career. You want to share some of those with us, mate? Yeah, I think he won four grand finals for South, uh, Shannon. He did. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. What were some yeah. of the other ones you thought? Four out of five. Uh, he kept in Australia when they won the World Cup in he 1970. Did. did he, Jess? He did. Yeah, okay. Yep. What's your comeback to that? <laughs> <laughs> What's your comeback to that? No, no, I'm just interested oh, in those stats. So Maybe it's your shout when the juniors Chinese opens again. <laughs> I got two more. I got two more stats on him. We play for his trophy proudly this weekend against right. the Roosters, and that mean certainly does mean something to our club. I hope it means as much to their club, but it certainly does to us. And he played for the Kensington Club as a junior. I'm pretty sure he did. Same as you know the great John it? Sutton. I did, Ella. I did. So you, you can st- you still know these things even though you haven't got headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I didn't have to research these. I know about them. I, I got a question for the. I don't have to go and look them all up. All right. <laughs> I got a question for you both about Ron Coote. How is he not an immortal? Ah, oh, exactly. It stuns me. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yep. No, six, he's six um... premierships. He's won. Yeah. Six premierships yeah. at two clubs. Four nine grand finals. That's right. We weren't going to talk. I didn't want to talk about the other ones, Jez, but yeah. you brought them up. But that's fair enough. I didn't say that's who with. 
Oh, sorry, Jez. Actually, no grand finals. That would have to be a – oh, maybe the Dragon side. They might have – some oh. of those players from those great Dragon sides might have had nine grand finals, but that's going to be close to a record. Yeah, nine, I reckon enough. nine grand finals. But I think Cooper Cronk might have won six premierships but had two taken off him. And I think Kevy Walters won six as well. There's one – sorry, can I just jump in there, sorry? There's one question I'd like to ask you, Shannon, um, about Ron, Ron Coo. Um <laughs> And you, I reckon you'd know the answer without doing the research. <laughs> How many McDonald's stores did he own? <laughs> how many did you work at, and how, how many? How much of your pay was Big Macs? <laughs> well, let me just say, I actually do know the answer to that. So Ron, Ron has owned four McDonald's that stores. That surprises me. <laughs> he owned, um, he owned King's Cross. He owned uh, Newtown. He owned one down the coast, and I think he might have had shares in the one at uh, the entertainment centre. I think vaguely from memory, but um, yeah, he's owned a number of McDonald's stores. And yes, I just work for love, work for love and lunch, and I. And I, and I <laughs> <laughs> very expensive. It was, was more lunch than love, I believe. <laughs> very good. Who else is on your list, Ella? Um, I'd have to say my, Michael Andrews was a great lock for the Rabbitohs. Uh, he, he played in an era for us where, you know, particularly the end of his career, the club was struggling a bit, but he was in our, in our great teams of the 80s, uh, you know, and and then went on to captain the club. And uh, it was a young it was a young guy that came down from Nambucca Heads, Shannon, in case you didn't know that, <laughs> and came in, came in for a trial in our President's Cup squad. And um, he, he came in for the trial, and his first game, he just had a howler in the trial and, and everyone sort of, who's this bloke? He came in late to train, come in for the, the trial and then went, who's this bloke? And, you know, first game, didn't know him, was a little bit underdone, but he came out the second trial and just tore it apart. You know, his work rate and everything like that. He's always on the ball, tidies up everyone else, everyone else's, you know, misses, etc. He He did a great job for the club and, and, you know, he's still heavily involved now, obviously on the, on the, the board there at Member Co. And you just see he loves the place. He just loves the place. And it's, he's always called it his home. One club player. Played uh, he played over 200 games, Mick. Um, and, and and as I said, he captain the club. And he was uh, he was an excellent player. I had, it, I had him on my list too. And one of the notes that I've got here is that he would put his head where others wouldn't put their feet. Yeah. He yeah. just... Did all the clean-up work. And... We used to call him Eddie, as in Eddie Munster, because he used to have uh, eyebrows that just went all the way across his forehead. <laughs> I'm, sure he, I'm sure he loved me telling everyone that, but that's it. <laughs> no, but we, yeah, good, we're good mates, and um, he's, he's definitely paid his dues to the club. Um, then... I think Shane Arneal, although he didn't play a lot of games, he was a he came through the same junior club I did at Mascot, and um, I was fortunate enough to get a start there because Shane did his ACL, and um, that's how I got a start in first grade. Right um, at South, and um, back in those days, it was really difficult to come back from an ACL. There wasn't the medical science etc. around as there is these days, but yeah. Shane was, uh, you know, you say you've got to be lucky in your career. I think I was probably lucky he got injured at the time he was. 
I may have had to, had to sit behind him a little bit along the way. Um, but then um, the next one, I know we put him in all different positions. Uh, John Sutton, when he played lock, he played lock for us a lot too. He, you know my thoughts on John Sutton. He played lock, he played back row, and he played 5-8. But uh, he was uh, he was an excellent lock and a different type of lock. Mm. Okay, but uh, the one that is just behind Ron Coote just at the moment is obviously Cameron Murray. Mm. I know I've gone five. It's okay. But I think he has the ability. Uh, you know, he has the ability and the desire to probably be one of the greats of our club, let alone one of the great locks. Mm. And, uh, you know, you talk about the humility of Ron Coote. He's got the same humility and I'm, I'm sure Ron watches his play and is excited to watch him. And if he did take the mantle over one day, I'm sure Ron would understand what a great player the young kid is. I don't think there's a better middle defender in the game. And I don't think there's a better small forward in the game, whether they play on the edge or in the middle. Yeah. And he's slightly different player to Ron. Ron, Ron, but it was a different style the lock played back then. Mm. But these days, Cameron, you know, either hits the front, the, the the forward running with him or he goes out the back to Cody or Renner, mm. you know. So his his job all runs himself. Mm. And what other bit, options has he got, LA? He hits out the back, he hits the front or runs himself. Of course he does one of those three things. <laughs> he could run well, backwards he... like the roosters <laughs> halfback. Well, there's another option that you used to do and just throw on the ground. No one <laughs> What about your call? Yeah, John Sutton. I know he played lock, but he also played a bit of back row. That's um, you're on fire today, you know? <laughs> Well, well, Shannon, if you know the game, the back row was a, a second row. Uh, <laughs> Locks and middle fours, mate. Oh, like, mate. What rock have you been under? <laughs> Truly, cold rock. When, when you when you when you go. When you go out on Saturdays and you go to lunch, you want to see me get the footy put on and have a look at where they're going. Wow! Anyway, Jeez, like there, you took the bait there, Ella. <laughs> there we go. Are they uh, your nominations, okay. Ella? Yeah, that's all. That you, you give us yours. You give us yours, Jeremy, and let him <laughs> let him tell us. Let him tell us the, the best four dishes at the Chinese at the juniors or something. No, he's got a, there's got to be one lock that's played for us that has got something that he needs in his house. <laughs> Indeed, there is, actually. <laughs> well, off you go. Your turn. Uh, no, I just, you were speaking about Ron Kurt, and, and Ella will know this bloke. Uh, his nephew, Daniel Kurt. He's Daniel, Daniel played um, lower grades here, played lock. He was really hard. Hitting second row, he's a good friend of mine for a long time, Daniel Kurt, and um, he's also apparently a really good plumber as well. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a butcher. He's got a butcher. <laughs> no, he is a plumber actually. But um, yeah, Daniel was actually a really good player. So it goes to show that in that Kurt family, they're uh, a really good bloodline. And and his his brother Aaron, actually Daniel's brother Aaron, he's. Um, He's a black belt in uh, martial arts as well, so very gifted family. Uh, mine, nice to him. Yeah. <laughs> nice to him that I am to you. I'll give you the... <laughs> um, 
and the fending mistakes, you know, Ello, Ello was a great player for, for us, as I said, but he revolutionised the, the ball playing forward. Mickey Andrews with his work rate. We spoke about Sato and his contribution to the club. And I, personally, Sato for me is one of our greatest ever club members. But some of the other people that we mentioned, um, you know, they've gone to other clubs and that's the way it was back then. The club wasn't in a great position. But Sutter was with us when our club wasn't in a great position, both on and off the field either, but he stuck solid. And, like, he really does. From the time he was a kid, a Kenzo Jr., he stuck solid, you know. And he's a great club man and still now helping with the NRL squads and the Pathways teams and all the way down. He absolutely loves his club, Sutter. So he's always been one of my favourites. So... You know, some of the locks we spoke about, interestingly enough, um, uh, are Kenzo Jr. So Ronnie Coop was a Kenzo Jr. Sato was a Kenzo Jr. And another great lock that played for our club was a Kenzo Jr. He played the year above me, a fantastic footballer, still contributing to the game is Tyron Smith. Tyron yep. Smith played for, for New Zealand. Um, he's a Kenzo Jr. So three, it's, those three are all Kenzo Juniors. All, and all four of my nominees are actually South Juniors. We spoke about Cameron Murray. He's the fourth. But... Tyron Smith, we shouldn't forget about him. You know, he played for South for, for four years and he was a South junior coming through. He played for lots of clubs after us. I just looked it up. Uh, unlike Hello, I do a bit of research. And he he played at the Cowboys, the Warriors, the Tigers, the Hunter Mariners. He played at more clubs than the Deltones. But he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's um, he, he was a great footballer, as I said. Uh, eight caps for New Zealand, three for the New Zealand Maori in 2000. And, and uh, now he's a player manager, uh, doing great work with with a lot of the New Zealand, the Maori kids, the Polynesian kids. He he can relate. I think he's of Maori uh, background himself. His younger brother Damien was a great player. He's, he's, his uh, father contributes to the junior league at Mascot, and his brother coaches another Mascot side. So a really great South Sydney man is Tyron Smith. So. Um, the three Kenzo boys, Ron Coot, John Sutton, Tyron Smith, and the other South Junior, of course, you couldn't not include Cameron Murray. Uh, they're my picks. With an honourable mention to our great mate, Mark Ellison and Mick Andrews. Some very, very good uh, options you've put forward there, but I'm stunned that the two of you missed out on someone. So I'm going to go through my list. I'm I... sorry, can I just jump in there? Shannon, you put my, my name up. What do you need, mate? <laughs> he needs some cupboards, some wardrobes. <laughs> I need you to stop picking on me, my friend. I just go home sobbing every day after these podcasts. <laughs> you go home? Yeah. Where are you now? <laughs> I can see the Picasso blurred out in the background. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so my list, I had the great Ron Coot, of course. I also had... Cameron Murray saying that he could be the best of all time by the time his career finishes. I also had Michael Andrews, as mentioned before. I had, uh, I told you beforehand, I had five. I've got the great Mark Ellison. I could never leave out my favourite player of all time. His versatility knows no bounds. I'm going to nominate him in every position that he's played in. (laughs) When we go through these positions. Hello, hello. There was a bit of a slide digger. You hear that? His versatility knows. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, that wasn't a mistake that was my act. Oh, that was deliberate now my last one I want you to think back a few years to the 2014 grand final and the man that wore the number 13 jersey yes his name's Sam Burgess and I'm stunned yes. that he wasn't on either of your lists but in saying that he could also make the second rower and the prop yeah, <laughs> at that, this club and I, I've got to say that like 
he'd make any team in South Sydney's history and and he could play and yeah, but you're right, Jess. He should be mentioned in there. I agree. Um I just always sort of remember to see him on the edge and mm. and front row and probably more in his time here. But mm. yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you you're spot on there. Yeah, I think the young kids, when they're looking back at the the premiership wins over the years and when they see the man, the number 13 jersey with the face like a drop pie by the end of that, <laughs> that game with the, the South Sydney folkloric story like the, the John Sattler broken jaw, Sam Burgess will go down as one of the greatest locks this club's seen. I'd agree. Yeah. I'd agree. Well, some, what about the smorgasbord of locks we've had at this club? And I'm sure there's plenty more that we've left out over the years from some of those early teams where obviously forward play dominated the way football was played. And I'm sure there were plenty more, but some great nominations um, there and some, some great tradies as well that Shannon can have over to Vaucluse <laughs> and get his hat, get the third story put on his house or fourth story. Whatever I got even up more to. excited, more excited when you mentioned smorgasbord actually. Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Righto, we'll go to our first break of the podcast. Now, of course, the Rabbitohs merchandise store is closed due to the lockdowns in Sydney, but you can shop online 24 hours a day, 365 days a year by visiting the online shop at shop.rabbitohs.com.au. Shannon, what's the latest going on with merchandise? Well, Jess, I just want to go back to your heckle last week about the, the last range of uh, Storm Tech. So we did a quick second release. We were able to get our hands on a few extras, and they went out within under two hours, the, those 75 uh, Storm Tech sold out. But fortunately, we have plenty more. And Father's Day is just around the corner on Sunday week on 5th of September, so it's a good time to get in with this cold weather. Obviously, the the hoodies and the pullovers will be very popular and, um, and the beanies. Um, as always, with the COVID lockdown, the mask are proving very popular. But uh, to our point about some of the great players we've had over the years, the retro jerseys are actually flying off and they're always really popular with dads and, and mums as well. But the retro, we've got the retro 1967 jersey, which was a great era for us, played in five grand finals in a row from 1967 onwards. But also we've got the retro 1989 jersey with the Smith Chris on the front that, that Ello would have played on. I don't know if we've got them in Ello's size, but we've certainly got plenty of um, retro, retro jerseys that I encourage everyone to get on online, have a look at, particularly with Father's Day coming up. Ella, have you kept your your old jerseys, things like the 89 yeah, jersey? Yeah, I've got I've got that at home. I've, I've got my first jersey too, that I, as I said earlier, Ron yep. Kidd game. Josh has got them. I'll give them to Josh. So yep. He'll be able to have them down the track. Um, the first one was the old Mitty's jersey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a sock on me today. <laughs> <laughs> You did sort of have to cut it off him to get it off. <laughs> to crop top. <laughs> oh, geez, that's going a bit far. Like, that be a oh, God. oh, very good. Well, it's good to hear that there's plenty of products coming up to Father's Day. Jump online for sh- at shop.rabbitos.com.au and grab something for dear old dad. Now, our second top four topic of the podcast is the top four weird game day rituals you've seen 
or heard. Now, everyone's got their little idiosyncrasies, but there are some quite weird ones out there. And we're going to start with you, Shannon. You've been at some clubs with some weirdos. What have you seen? I'm at a club with some weirdos right now, I've got to say. (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing all four about Craig Gower. Shannon. The that the pre-game ones don't be the don't need to be the night before either, mate. <laughs> Actually, I've got one of those to mention, but uh, I won't start. <laughs> I've got the great Ian Rubin, the great Russian international we've spoken about before. These are just guys I played with, so you know I need to have experience and seen their their pre-game ritual rooms. Like it, it was massive. He'd wind up and he charged him with his tough front rower. But his pre-game ritual, and this is a true story, the day before a game, he would go and get um, a, a shave, a, a cutthroat razor shave, a haircut before the game, and he'd even get a pedicure and get his nails done. That's unbelievable. So Rube's A pedicure? Always, yeah, he would get his nails done and all of that kind of stuff, all that nonsense before a game. And he, he did always look a million dollars, I've got to say. Um, and he's tough. He'd always play tough, but he just... He'd like to, like to look good too, I guess. I remember <laughs> one time he took a huntsman in with him, the big huntsman. Huntsman got his nails painted, I think, from memory. Oh. <laughs> 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 he got them painted the match and helped his hand back. Now that big, they used a paintbrush, not a roller. <laughs> a roller. <laughs> paint, paint roller. <laughs> uh, the big huntsman. Uh, so, yeah, Rubes always used to get a shave, a haircut, and a pedicure before games, which is <laughs> always found a bit bizarre. Uh, Julian O'Neill, I played with Jewel, he was mad. And his pre-game ritual, the night before, he'd have about three or four middies just to, to calm the nerves. Uh, he'd take it easy on the drink because uh, he had a big game the next day, so he would just uh, have three <laughs> or four. And then on game day, I'd pick him up because he lost his licence for drink driving. And he was living at the top of the hill at um, Allison Road there near the Coach and Horses. I was living here at Goodyear at the time. I'd, I'd pick him up and he'd dead set on the way to the footy stadium. He'd, he'd smoke three or four darts on the way there and he'd smoke another three or four darts um, outside the stadium or in the dressing room before the game in the shower. So, yeah, that's a pre- that's a pre-game ritual that not many players do. Six, half a dozen darts before the game and three or four beers a night. So, Julian O'Neill certainly had a had a weird pre-game ritual. Yeah. Um, this one, Mick Francis, uh, a good mate of mine, tough bloke, played for a row and may or may not have given me free tickets to the boxing over the years. But... <laughs> I thought I'd give him an honourable mention. Um, yeah, Mick, Mick was funny. He liked to go, the, after the captain's run, he would always go for a massage and always left very happy after those massages. And, um, you know, he'd love the massage before game, reduce the stress and, as I said, would leave the massage happy. He actually must have enjoyed one of the massage places so much. He actually bought shares in the business. And that's a true story. Mick owned shares in a, in a massage parlour and a few of the boys used to go there at the time. Um, so, yeah, pre-game uh, massage for Mick Francis. Always used to relax him before the Don't game. Get, get rid of the wrinkles. <laughs> well, I think they did that, Ella. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did that. Oh, dear. <laughs> and then the fourth one is a guy who came out of our junior league, and he was tough. His name's Kane Hay. Kane was a great player, played junior reps. I don't know whether you coached him, Ella, on the way through, but... No, he was just... 
a year above when I was coaching, but I, I knew Kane pretty well. He works on the wharfs, just to work he, on the wharfs. Yeah. He does, he good, does. Good bloke, good bloke. Great bloke, Kane. I, I played against him in the local league and he just hit like an axe and just pound me all the time and uh, played in a couple of grand finals against uh, Kane. But also played junior reps with him coming through and we come up the grade together, come through the grades together. And Kane, he used to, it's it get big blobs of Vicks. I don't know, I don't know if they still do that these days, but they, he'd get the Vicks and he'd put big chunks up his nose and he, he'd put it on his forehead and be rubbing in his chest. And then the last thing he'd do was eat. It, it, mm. Every game he did it, he'd eat a chunk of Vicks and he'd be pacing up and down the hallway. I don't know whether that was because oh. the Vicks was burning him or what it was, and he'd just be getting himself into a lather. But I remember just thinking, this bloke's a maniac. Absolute maniac. Nicest bloke you'll ever meet off the field, but he absolute maniac on the field. So yeah. he, we, we used to always put, used to put Vicks in your nose and just under your nose, maybe on your throat. If you got a cold or that, just help help breathing, you know. But they used to have the smelling salts back in the day that used to do the same thing. But you'd put you'd put not Vicks, you'd put a little bit of Vaseline just across your eyes to try and stop sweating that going in your eyes, like the like the boxers do. But um, yeah, I don't remember anyone eating the Vicks. He <laughs> yeah. was mad. So he was. Absolutely, man. I would have hate to see his toilet bowl the next day. I'll give you that tip. A big pro heart painting, I would imagine. Oh, but, no. Uh, anyway, so my four um, pregame rituals is Ian Rubin with the with the shave and the haircut and the manicure. Uh, Julian O'Neill with the three or four beers and the six darts before the match. Mick Francis with the massages and Kane Hay eating Vicks. Uh, oh. I don't recommend any of those. No, that's <laughs> crook. What about you, Ello? What are some of the weird things you've seen? Oh, I'm not, not so much weird, but just, you know, the, the, big, the guys that are in our year and our team, we'd always go to no-names for a fee the night before the game. Um, and it was always big that you had pasta and high carb loading before the game. And uh, we used to go to the old no-names at, at Chapel Lane there down in the in South South Sydney there, just down off Crown Street and just happened to be a nice uh, ice cream parlor down the bottom of them when you come out. You, you know that one, Shannon? I do, Mark. I know very well. Just opposite Bill and Tony's is yeah. still there now. But yeah, it's actually like Street, yeah. Yeah, and um you know they often I, I played with Craig Diamond at Cronulla for Blugger and there was no pre-game routine, but every game You'd go up and the first scrum, he played second row, he'd vomit all over the, oh. the front row of his legs. Oh, no. <laughs> Dane used to be the uh used to be the front row normally, and he was asking him to change sides before the first scrum. <laughs> that's a true story. He'd just get nervous and for some reason. I mean, some guys spew in the toilet before they go up, but mm. Yeah, he just used to that's what he used to do. Oh um, dear. <laughs> Mario Mario used to have a uh it'd be pre-game, like it was different than nowadays. Like nowadays they're in the dressing room for two or one and a half to two hours before the game getting strapped and everything. Mm. Back in the day, if we played at Redfin, we'd go in the dressing room uh at after half time. When the when the second grade went back out in the field, so there'd be 40 minutes to go. That's when we go in and start getting getting dressed. Then we go out and warm up in the park out there. And, you know, we didn't need witches' hats. We used to just 
sidestep the dog shit in the park and you know, <laughs> a, few, a, few, a few of the empty wine bottles out there. We just get around then, you know. So it was pretty rough back in the day there, Ella. Really. You sure it was dog shit? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair call. That's a fair call. But, uh, but then we get back inside and we, you know, George would say a few words and then Mario's last words every time before we went out were, all right, boys, let's go and give it a these. <laughs> that, was, that was a pre-game talk. And he, he just liked doing it. Everyone was used to it. And then we just went out on the field and away we go. Henry was but, called and off they went. You gave yeah, it to those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's, um, yeah, there's other guys used to always put their um, put their left boot on first or their right boot on first. Other guys, a lot of guys used to wear costumes, budgie smugglers, mm. smugglers under their under their shorts. They were they're sort of routines that everyone did them, and some of some of wear the. Um, wear them the, the same ones every week, you know. They'd wash them, unlike Shannon when he played. <laughs> I've got to say, you're full of profound wisdom today. Some blokes some blokes would put their left boot on first. Others would put their right right boot on first. <laughs> well, I used to always put my... You're on fire. Well... So what, what barber? Let me see how much research you've done, Shannon. What barber did Ruben used to go to to get his hair cut before? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't you know have what, to worry Shannon, about barber. The other thing is, people don't see what goes on there. So I'm just telling them, let them know that a gamut of things that go on. Like, yeah, oh, right? damn it. Good word. Yeah, you know, people either put the, some players put their left foot on first, some put their right foot on first. That's. <laughs> That, that's a great insight behind the scenes. I love, I'd love that. Brings them into the inner sanctum of the club. No, no, no. It's like in cricket. Right, right batsmen used to put their left pad on first because they knew that was the first one they get hit. Right. Well, there you go. Pretty okay. good. Did you know that? And some other players put their right pad on after that. Yeah, yeah. They were, well, some, some were good enough for that. They didn't need another pad. Another pad. Oh. And, uh, what my point I'm trying to make, Shannon. And oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you get to that. Yes. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to explain it to you. All right. You said a big word, Jez. I'd like him to spell gamut. It's not yeah. that. Much. All right. But the thing is, some blokes had every time they'd put their left boot on first at a game. Do you understand what that means? Oh, yes, I do. Yes. So they didn't. You, we'll talk about rituals. So you, they put their left boot on first every game, and then they put their right boot on. Whereas some other players, <laughs> and then they do the hokey pokey. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that, is that what it's all about? I'll play that. There's 27 episodes, and you've said something funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hokey pokey. Uh, <laughs> right, let's get yeah. back on track here. No, he's, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> you had one? Okay. <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> my right. turn. Okay. Guys, I've got things to do up here. Yeah. I'm going to put up this anymore, right? Thanks to the viewers there. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's not interested in my four. Well, I'll just go through my four now. I'm not sure uh, if he I, does this. You know 
I'm interested in you, Jeremy. I've been <laughs> listening to the peanut gallery in the back. <laughs> You're right, Ella. You do have better things to do. Those buffets don't eat themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You can't steal my thunder, Shannon. Oh, that's... <laughs> Oh, very good. Righto, here's my yeah. fault. Now, it's only something I've noticed over the last couple of seasons, but Junior Tola Junior doesn't take his mouth guard out after a game, which makes it really hard for him if I need him to do media interviews because he just leaves it in. Well, that's uh, a bit... Now, now, can I just jump... Now, Shannon, does that mean that Junior Totolo wears his mouth guard every day of the week for 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Knowing Junior, it's possible. Very poor imbecile. <laughs> uh, well, I'm brought up the bear. Sorry, yellow. <laughs> so that's one. Uh, that's one for Junior. The next one I had was Jason Clark. He had a or still does has a serious case of OCD. It's quite uh, freakish. His locker is always completely spotless. And I've seen photos of him packing his kit bag the, the night before a game. And he lays every item out on the bed. And they're all exactly spaced perfectly apart. And the two boots are next to each other. And the two socks are next to each other. And everything's li- lined up and laid out. And then he packs everything into the same spot into his bag every week, which I find quite odd. Um, Is that before he was married, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. Don't tell Raylene I said that. <laughs> Surely she's a subscriber and she hears it every week, Ella. <laughs> You're talking about him leaving the locker spotless, you know, and having maybe a bit of OCD. I reckon Ella might have a bit of OCD too because after dinner, his plate's always spotless too. There's not a, there's not a speck on it. So you can, I don't even have to wash it to give it uh, put it back on the shelf. Anyway, sorry. Very good. Uh, actually, Jeremy. Yes, Jeremy. Yes. Um, it's very rude of Shannon to interrupt you when you're talking about your top four. All right? Sorry. sorry. Yes, Another sorry, second apology for the afternoon. My, <laughs> my third one. Very is, good. Definitely. Yeah, very, very good. good. My third one is Michael Maguire. Now, the coaches have to do a pre-game interview with either Channel 9 or, or Fox League or, or both if they're feeling generous and Every time I'd go to get Madge for his pre-game interview, he'd always go for a bit of a nervous snake's hiss before he'd go out and do his do his interview with uh, with TV without fail every game, whether he needed to go or not. He was straight into those cubicles just to get it out of the way, get his nerves settled before jumping on the TV. And the hey, last one... That was very interesting. I love hearing about people's bladder habits before the game. It's been fantastic. We're on fire today. So speaking of bladder habits, my last one is the great Mark Nichols. Now, Nico, if you've ever watched him closely, he's played a vast majority of, of his football coming off the bench. So he runs out with the team, does his little warm-ups as kickoff happens. He comes back to the bench, sits down, and without fail, somewhere between the 10th and the 15th minute, He's on his feet and he's down the tunnel and he goes and has a bit of a bladder movement and then comes back out with Ello spinning around going, where's Nico? We need him to go on at the 20-minute mark. Oh, he, tells, he tells me he's going, Jess. Yeah, so it does, yeah. it's, been, it's been a problem since he started in the game. You, might, is... notice, you might notice there's an ad at yeah. the 10-minute mark now in the game. <laughs> 
that was the point I had. I, I'm not quite sure what happens these days now that he's starting. I don't know if he does a Don oh, McKinnon does, and just... He does the Donnie. He does the beautiful Donnie. Uh, <laughs> just relieves himself on field or or does he put his hand up to come off, uh, come off after 15? <laughs> Hello. You're full, you're full of insights today. So tell us, when Nico, he's been at the urinal, does he put his left one in first or his right one in? <laughs> Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh, I think I need to step in here before this descends. All about. All right. I, I don't know what you're trying to talk about there, Shannon. Uh, sorry, I'm but moving on. You've been in this world long enough to know that there's only one. <laughs> yeah, good joke, Shannon. Oh, very good. Right, we're going to a break. <laughs> Now, Rabbitohs Plus, it's an, uh, an initiative from the Rabbitohs which provides everyday services for members and supporters that they do use every day. So home and contents insurance, credit cards, car insurance, home loans, there's all sorts of deals available to the Rabbitohs faithful by visiting plus.rabbitohs.com.au. And we always have a laugh with Shannon about the uh, the debts that him and his wife, Gabba, racking up on uh, racking up on. Rabbitohs plus credit cards and home loans and all that sort of stuff. But it is a great service, Shen. It is a great service and highly recommend that. Not just, you know, um, loans and credit cards, also insurance products. It reminds me about the story Ella was telling me when he rang up for insurance. It wasn't Rabbitohs plus insurance, but it was uh, just life insurance and health insurance. He's trying to speak to the assessor on the phone and he said to Ella, have you ever had any life-threatening incidents or any accidents or anything like that? And Ella said, no. He said, what, you're 50-something. You've never had any incidents or, or accidents. And I said, no. Nah. The assessor said, none at all. And he said, oh, I got bitten by a snake once. And uh, the assessor said, hello, what, you don't call that an accident? And I said, hell no, the snake meant it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, very good. But fortunately, uh, we do have insurance and we do have good assessors who will make sure you get any cover you need, even Mark Ellison for snake bites. I think Rabbitohs Plus customers should be able to ring up or jump online to Rabbitohs Plus and request an hour of one-liners from Shannon Donato over the phone. <laughs> Just an hour. <laughs> I've got one for every occasion. I, you know, I yeah. should really... Jazz, we should run a show on here. <laughs> we should run a prize for the best segment. And whoever whoever sends in whoever comes in with the best joke, not from Shannon, yep. get, get the get some of our listeners to call in with a joke, right? Yep. yep. So first prize, they get to listen to Shannon's jokes for an hour, right? Second prize, they get it for two hours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good, Mark. Very oh, good. I like it. Words of the great Jeremy Monahan. Yeah, it's very good. Righto, jump online and jump on plus.rabbitos.com.au to check out all the offers at Rabbitos Plus. Now, our trivia question from last week. Who won the first George Piggins medal as the best and fairest for the Rabbitohs? Now, the first year that the George Piggins medal was awarded was in 2003. 
So we had Players of the Year before that, but the first time it was called the George Piggins Medal was 2003. I can see you both looking off into the distance, racking your brain for who may have been the Player of the Year in, in 2003. Was it Luke Stewart? It was not. Luke is a multiple-time winner of the George Piggins Medal, but it wasn't Luke that year. Might have been a bit later, Luke, yeah. What's your homework say, Shannon? Well, I can tell you someone who wouldn't have been. wouldn't have been Paul McNicholas, even though he was in the side that year. Um, but I'm sure he's now That's because he's writing off you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a great man, Paul McNicholas. Um, be a lovely fellow when he grows up. Um, <laughs> I, wish you could, I wish you could say the same about you. I'm not <laughs> Um, this is out there, but that second rower from Newcastle that came down and played with us, um, uh, Adam Mueller, Adam Mueller played with us. He did, <laughs> not in oh. 2003. He wouldn't uh, have got a vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2002 is with us. Okay. The winner in 2003 was Brian Fletcher. Ah, Fletch. Ah, Jess's mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I see Fletch and his lovely wife Brit and his kids around all the time. Lovely, lovely Blake Fletch, one of the funniest blokes you've ever seen. Just tells me how much he enjoyed working with him back in the day. <laughs> the Fletch yeah. you see on TV now is the exact same Fletch that was captain of our club back in 2003. <laughs> Very, it was like wrangling cat. <laughs> it was quite impossible. But uh, it was a great uh, season for Fletch. It was his first season with us. He played 16 games for us. He also played for New South Wales and Australia that year. So he had a great season in 2003. And he's he'll always have the honour of being the first George Piggins medalist at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Excellent. And do you know another thing? I actually played Jersey flag with Fletch at the Rabbitohs too. He he played in the South Junior Rep system on the way through, so we can claim him. And Fletch obviously played for New South Wales and went on to play for Australia as well. So uh, was a very talented footballer and um, equally talented TV host. Just a shame about the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> what the Roosters for you, mean? Yeah, so our, our trivia question for next week. We mentioned him earlier, the great Mario Fennick. He's a South Sydney man through and through, but he played for three other clubs. And I want to know who the three other clubs were. Now, I'm sure two of them are easy to guess, but the third one might be a bit tricky. And the hint is one of the clubs he played for was in England. So you need to have a think about who Muzz may have played for over in England, and we'll go through the answer to that next week. Was it Catalans? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I checked, that was in France. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least it's close, right? I thought you just said the, the Hillockland Warriors. That's what I was <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, I will, we'll uh, come back with the answer to that Mario Fennick trivia question next week. As we mentioned earlier, the Top 4 Podcast and the Rabbitohs Podcast Network every week is brought to you by the great people at What If, and they have great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire, and plenty more. And because they're the official travel partner of the Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15, and you can save 15% on select hotels. Now, conditions apply with that offer, but jump onto whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. Check out the hotels they have available. 
available and use that Rabbitohs15 code to save 15%. And always, what if it's Aussie for travel? And I'll tell you what, every week we talk about it, how we're all stuck in lockdown, and I'm jumping on, jumping on what if just to see what we can do, hopefully, when it all clears up and I'm having to push back the dates that I'm searching for flights and holidays because it just keeps on rolling along. But there, there'll be light another, at the end of the tunnel and what if will be right there. It's, it's another great thing that they've done for the club, though, in, in helping us get our accommodation up here at the Q1 at Surface. Um, you know, we, it was always going to be tough to do and uh, they managed to, to get it happening for us and uh, we're forever thankful for them. Mm. And um, the, the apartments are fantastic and I think it's um, the, the new accommodation that we have is only going to help us in our, uh, our run towards the, the finality of the season. Hello. I fondly remember a couple of years ago when we won the President's Cup, what if we're the major sponsor of that team and did a lot to support that team and we won the um, we won the President's Cup the first time in in 20 plus years and you know what if we've been very hands on in supporting our NRL squad this year towards the grand final so I'm hoping um, the Omens are the same mate they're a great company what if Vinci Dan Fitch and uh, Donna and all of the team there uh, speaking about reminiscing about travel uh, Jez Ello and I were speaking the other day he was telling me about how him and his family have always used what if to book their travel. And he was fondly reminiscing about when his nephew came up from Melbourne for a visit. And I said, oh, mate, yeah, that sounds like a good trip. He said, yeah, he flew up. I said, oh, did you meet him at the airport? And I said, no, no, I've known him since he was born. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Very good. Just a a quick shout-out to Brad Ryder. We know that Shannon said President's Cup and meant Jersey flag, so there's no need to email us in to correct him on that. He said it twice. I gave him an opportunity to correct himself, and he doubled up on the President's Cup. Oh, sorry, know. Brad. Between the two of you, Jez, you, you, Craig Wing, not playing State of Origin. And, <laughs> no, that was Blakey. Phil Blake. Blakey, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Wing, not playing State of Origin. Was, was that big a mistake? I forgot about it as well. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, very good. Back to the topic. What if? Make sure you jump on to whatif.com slash Rabbitohs and use that promo code Rabbitohs15 to save 15% on select hotels. All righty, Shannon. It's your turn for Joke of the Week. Okay, well, as we know, Ella would know he's up there sunning himself in Queensland, but most of the Rabbitohs faithful would know here in Sydney we're in lockdown and the only time you're allowed out is for a bit of exercise or get something essential. So at lunchtime the other day, I thought I'd walk down to the shops at Coogee and get myself something to eat, check out the new shops in the new neighbourhood. Um, I was walking up and down Coogee Bay Road and there was a sandwich shop. I hadn't, I hadn't noticed it before and it said, we've got every type of sandwich fillings you want. You name it, we've got it. In fact, if you come in and order a sandwich and we don't have what you want, we can't make that sandwich for you, we'll give you $500. Thought, oh, really? It'd be interesting, all these exotic toppings. So, well, $500 if they haven't got it. So I went in and I said, is that, is that right, that sign at the front? $500 if you order a sandwich and you can't make it, um, you'll give $500? And they said, yeah, absolutely, that's true. I said, all right, well, I'd like to order a sandwich, please. And they said, what was your like? And I said, I... I'd like elephant's testicles on toast, please. He said, what? They said, oh, I've got some elephant's testicles on toast. 
And she said, that's, someone says $500, you haven't got it? And they said, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, deal's a deal. They go out the back and you can see them flustered out the back and pots and pans going around, screaming and yelling and finger pointing going on. And in the end, the manager comes out and he slammed the $500 on the table. He said, there you go, there's your 500 bucks. And I said, oh, I knew that would get you. He said, yeah, I can't believe the staff ran out of bread. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, very, very, very good. good. Excellent. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. That was a good one. <laughs> I felt less what nervous I... while you were telling that one. Well, can I tell? This isn't a joke. This is actually a true story. Of you know, course it is. <laughs> playing the rooster. Is it is. This... Shannon, no, you can't. <laughs> I'm throwing out gold here. Hello, work with me, brother. <laughs> No, this is a true story about, you know, we play, everyone knows we play the, the Roosters this week and it's always a rivalry. We smashed them by six to six this time last year and we've, had the, we've definitely had the wood over them in recent years. And, and Robbo, Trent Robinson, was getting worried about his team's recent, you know, poor form and against, against us and couldn't get that six to six loss from out of his head, you know, and he just he just couldn't understand it. You know, the Roosters, the biggest paying club by far in the NRL, um, they bought players from all over the, the comp, but just about every time they play the Rabbitohs, they'll get beaten. So anyway, Robbo and Wayne have done a fair bit of stuff together. And so Robbo rung Wayne and, he, you know, he explained, you know, you guys have always got on me. He said, mate, it's just part of my development as a coach. I know our clubs are rivals, but um, do you mind if, you know, give me some tips? And Wayne said, mate, I'm pretty easy going. Come down and watch our boys train. I'm stand a bit away. So, you know. You can't hear the calls, but I'm happy for you to watch how we do things and hopefully, you know, it'll assist in your coaching development, Wayne being the good bloke that he was. So so Robo comes down to training and he just spends a couple of hours watching the boys do the captain's running and at the end of the train session, he says to Wayne, look, mate, I'm I'm none the wiser. I just don't understand. We seem to do all the same things in training that you guys do, but, but you still beat us all the time. Uh, I said, Wayne, he said, I don't think it's anything to do with the training and how you prepare. I think it's about the players and being smarter and and more instinctive and creative and thinking laterally how they play. And Robbo was annoyed and he looked away and he said, well, what do you mean by that? And your players are smarter. And Wayne said, well, look, yeah, I'll talk to you about uh, lateral thinking. I'll get, I'll get, you know, Cody over. No, I'll get Cameron Murray over. I'll get Cameron Murray over. And uh, Cody's too easy. He's so instinctive. But I'll get Cameron over. He's a smartest. He's a smart, he's a smart player as well. So, Call Cameron over. Cameron, he said, Wayne says to him, mate, I've got a, got a conundrum for you. Let's see if you can answer this for me. He's your father's son, but he's not your brother. Who is he? Cameron thinks for a second. He says, ah, father's son, but he's not my brother. Who is he? It's me. Ah, correct, said Wayne. Robbo was really impressed. He thought, oh, that's uh, interesting. You're smarter. So he goes back to... Eastern suburbs training or roosters or whatever they call themselves these days. <laughs> and he's at training at their captain, cap, captain's run. Sorry, it was that afternoon at their captain's run that afternoon. He calls Teddy over. He says, Teddy, Teddy, come over here. I want to ask you something. He said, I've been talking to Wayne Bennett. And he reckons his players are more intelligent than ours. He said, no way. No way, Robbo. He's, he's taking a piss. There's no way their players are smarter than ours. Teddy, Teddy was furious. Okay, said Robbo, he said, I've got a question for you. Answer me this. See if you can answer me this. He's your father's son, but he's not your brother. Who is he? 
said he's got no idea what he's talking about. He looks blank. He says, um, I need some time to think about this one. Robbo, is that's all right? So Robbo goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a bit disappointed, Robbo. Anyway, Teddy's captain couldn't couldn't answer answer the question that probably all the Robbo's could answer. So, so Teddy goes home and he's thinking about the problem and he asks his girlfriend, he says, she goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. So Teddy's stumped. He's thinking, what can I do? He goes, I know, I'll call Nat Butcher. Nat Butcher, he was a South junior. He'll probably know the answer. All those rubber-dose legs are smart. So he says, Nat, it's Teddy. I've got a question for you. See if you can answer this for me. He's your father's son, but he's not your brother. Who is he? Nat thinks about it. But being a smart South junior, he says, oh, it's me. Teddy goes, oh, I got it, got it. So Teddy gets all excited about knowing the answers, and he calls Robbo on the mobile. He says, Robbo, I've got that answer. I've been thinking about I've got that answer for you. Okay, what is it, Robbo says? He said, okay, so the query is, he's your father's son, but he's not your brother. Who is he? I'll tell you who he is. It's Nat Butcher. (laughs) 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 And Robbo replies, you stupid bastard. No, it's not. It's not. it's not that butcher, it's Cameron Murray. <laughs> oh, I saw the first bit coming, I didn't see the second bit. Oh, that's very good. Uh, uh, for all those Roosters fans, I hope someone sends that one sends that one to them, and they all enjoy the game. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> and just uh, before before we sign off, just a, another note to Brad Ryder: no need to email in. Shannon knows we beat them sixty to eight, not sixty to six. So <laughs> no need to email in this week, mate. We've we've got those two covered. <laughs> Does that mean there's no joke of the week next week? Because he told two today. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to top that second one, Hello. You got you to top it next week. I've been waiting for you to tell one funny joke all year. Hello <laughs> <laughs> kicked off with a beauty with the Billy Blogs. Oh, Billy <laughs> he God, really yeah, set the standard with Billy Blogs. Pretty, yeah. You might have to tell that one again, Hello. It was 26 well, episodes ago. Uh, I'll tell it again when when Shannon challenges it with his. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll go to a break and wrap this. How many years is this show going to go on for? <laughs> I think we signed a ten year contract. <laughs> it's a lot of jokes. <laughs> good people want him. <laughs> right. We'll wrap it up in a second. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. You can contact us with some topic suggestions at rabbitos.com.au slash podcast or jump on Twitter and uh, send them through to at SSFC Rabbitos. We, hopefully, you can write us a review and give us a five-star rating and, and subscribe. Press the, uh, press the subscribe button on your podcast app, and that helps us move up the search engine ratings amongst all the podcast apps. And don't forget to have a listen to the Rabbitos Podcast Network. There's plenty of other podcasts 
podcasts on there, such as our regular media conferences throughout the week, including Wayne Bennett's one that he does the day before every game. We have the audio version of the Rabbitohs Insider and the Rabbitohs Radio team with Chaps, Mavo and Brownie. They talk a lot more footy and, and the modern day stuff. They have their Remembering a Rabbitohs segment as well where they look at some of the past players of the club. And last week they had a chat with um, young Ben Lovett, who's just uh, re-signed with the club and um, he's a country boy from Parks and he's come down to have a go and he's just recently re-signed with the with the club to have a crack at um, at the NRL in the coming years. So it was a great chat with a with a young bloke from the country explaining just uh, how he's put himself out there to, to have a go and the difficulties also of trying to do that during these COVID periods where a lot of those New South Wales Rugby League Pathways competitions have been cut short or cancelled. So last year coming down from Parks to have a go and they only played one game the poor bugger so he uh, but he impressed this year and um, of course the great recruitment team of Mark Ellison and Joe O'Callaghan have, have kept him on and give him another shot again next year so that's a good chat that he had with Chaps Mavo and Brownie and gentlemen thank you for joining us again it was a, a good show this week and we'll have to get another special guest on in a few weeks I reckon good yeah, we'll idea. work on that yeah. We'll work on that. Great, great idea, yes. But um, after we finish here, I'm heading down to Coochie Road for another toasted sandwich, actually. I'll see. <laughs> see, what, see, see if they've got the elephants in this week. <laughs> I've got to just, guys, when you, when you, um, don't send those headphones up straight away, right? Wait, wait till those storm tech jackets come in and set one of them up with me. <laughs> It'll be episode 87, not 27. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, we've had a few days of about 25, 26 degrees last week that I was sitting there thinking, geez, I need my storm tech. Unfortunately, they're only giving the the true believers. Yeah. We need one today, having a look at the weather here in in Sydney. It's freshened up and plenty of rain. I was told during the week there's been a bit of rain up there too, hello, around the Gold Coast. We had a bit of rain yesterday, but it was... Was timely, uh, just you know, good for the the oval we're training on and things like that. Just give that bit of a boost. But the sun's back out again today. It's a bit cool this morning. Yep. But um, yeah, the the weather's been quite good since we've been here. Well, Not I'm hoping. Been about 22, 23. You know. I'm, I'm hoping on Friday night at Suncorp Stadium, it's absolutely pouring rain at one end of the field at the Roosters' end. Then it all turns around in the second half, hopefully. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> I, have, have you ever told, seriously, talking about swapping sides at half time, have you ever told that story about DT, Dave Taylor? Nah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Do you want to, yeah. Well, we were playing over the Gold Coast, and uh, I can't remember what year it was. It was, was early in Madge's uh, tenure as coach, and it was a three o'clock game on Saturday afternoon, and it was stinking hot. But we were lucky on our side of the field, we were on the, on the bench, and the shade had come over about half the ground. And 25 minutes into the match, I, I think Daryl Neville was running the blue shirt at the time. And whoever it was, I can't. No, it wasn't dirty. It wasn't dirty. Whoever it was has come running back on. He said, Ella, Ella. Dave Taylor asked him if you can tell him, ask Madge if you can swap sides because it's too hot on the far side of the field. <laughs> Oh, God. That would have been okay with that. He's pretty relaxed. Yeah. Send it up. You've seen nothing on Tales of Tiger Town after seeing that from Dave Taylor. I gave, I gave the, uh, 
I gave the blue shirt the answer that David needed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Righto, we'll wrap it up. Of course, the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. It's powered by Audio Technica, and it's proudly presented by What If, and we will see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. Powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off select hotels. Conditions apply. What If, it's Aussie for travel. Please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Up the rabbit eyes.